Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. But we're going to be going through Proverbs. This is the first of a month-long series before we get to Ash Wednesday, and then we start Lent, and we're going through Proverbs. But to go through Proverbs, to even approach the Word of God, you have to be in the right place. Uh, There is a group that uses this building every morning. Every morning they're here, and it's um, AA. If you don't know what AA is, it's Alcoholics Anonymous. There's other groups in the area like NA. And, um, and my mom actually has been in AA for <clears throat> seven to eight years. Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to tell you that. That's why they call it Alcoholics Anonymous. You're supposed to give that anonymous. But she's okay with it, she's told me. so. Um, and she's working through the process. Um, her and other people in their groups will say this. Because you'll break in, you'll have your group, so all the chairs, every group does it a little bit different, but usually you're around, so everybody can kind of see each other, right? So they don't have straight rows like this where you can hide. And what happens is when you're facing everybody, and they go around and say, hi, my name's Boog, I'm an alcoholic, and whatever else they want to share. And not everybody shares every time, some people just sit there. But when it's time for you to say something, if somebody's new, this is a typical response. Um, and I've, my friends were telling me about this response. Uh, a guy came in and, and he's like, you know what? Uh, pretty sure I'm an alcoholic, um, but I'm doing really good at work and I, and I'm, I don't really need to be here, but I, you know, I thought it'd kind of be good and I thought I should come. And so here I am and, and, uh, you know, going to hang out and all the other people around them are like, he's not ready. They don't say that out loud and nobody's like, Hey, you, you know, you're not ready. You don't understand. They just, they realize he's just not ready. Am I right? And, and, and people like me, normies, in case you don't know that, if you have no idea what AA is or anything, you're a normie. Um, people like me just want to shake him. Like, no, man, you've got to hit rock bottom. Don't you understand that you need help? That's what this is all about. Like, you've got to confess it and admit it. Like, you fall, come on. But the veterans, the people that know it well, They just say, no, they're not ready yet. And there's nothing you can do to get them to be ready. They've got to reach that point where they've reached the end of themselves. Or as a normie would say, hit rock bottom. And often I've had people from AA come up here and share or share their stories because the people that are ready, the people that realize they've hit rock bottom, they're the healthiest people I know. They are the most... They never would say this about themselves, but for those of us that know them, they're beautiful. Because when you reach the end of yourself, it's then that God can get a hold of you. Even for those that I know that aren't following Christ, there's something healthy about them. There's something healthier than the rest of us that are trying to Photoshop our lives and make it look a certain way. Instead of coming to the reality of humility. I mean, some of you, when you shared your stories, you shared humiliating stories like... You know, having your pants pulled down in Spanish class. That's not the kind of humbleness we're talking about. It's like, that's not the humility that we're discussing. The humility of reaching, you, you, you know you've reached the end of yourself. And so often, people even coming to church will say, I don't know if I should come, I'm not ready, I've got this messed up, I, 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 I went bankrupt, or my kids don't talk to me anymore, or I'm divorced, or my life is a mess, or I'm making these bad decisions. 
Good. You're on your way to understanding you're a mess because we all are. But it's when we try to fake it and try to think we're more than we are. Um, Proverbs. Proverbs are, are they're the accumulation of wisdom of a dad. That's what it is. So like, if you could open up Proverbs 1. From chapters 1 through chapter 9, what it is, is it's a, from the, the first nine chapters, it's a dad talking to his son. As we can see later, he's adding some other kids in there. But he's just trying to tell them what he's learned. He's trying to share what is wise because he loves them so much that he wants what's best for them. I want you to just hear it. You can read along. This is from the, um, the CEV translation, Contemporary English Version. So it says it probably a little bit different than um, some of your Bibles, but hear what this dad is saying at the very beginning of the Proverbs that he gives to his son. These are the Proverbs of King Solomon of Israel, the son of David. Proverbs will teach you wisdom and self-control and how to understand sayings with deep meanings. You will learn what is right and honest and fair. From these, an ordinary person can learn to be smart. And young people can gain knowledge and good sense. If you're already wise, you will become even wiser. And if you're smart, you'll learn to understand proverbs and sayings, as well as words of wisdom and all kinds of riddles. And I love the way this translation says in verse 5 here. And if you're smart, then it'll make you even smarter. If you're wise, it'll make you even wiser. Because that's a dad that knows his son. Um, my kids, uh, we had this situation where I was out on the driveway this week. And I'm like, okay, so when you do this thing, do it this way and this way. And then you do it that way. And then my son does what they do often. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And as I'm talking, I'm hearing him respond to me. I know, I know, I know. And I'm thinking, he's not even listening. So I just went, all right, fine. That's probably why I'm not going to coach you right now. And I walked away. Not a shining dad moment necessarily. Um, and so as I was going through these Proverbs and I saw that and I saw this, this part right here in Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So yesterday I pulled the, the kids together and I said, I love you guys and I want what's best for you. And I know there's going to be times that you don't listen to your dad. In fact, as you get older, there's going to be this window where you don't listen to anything I say. I know that's coming. It's not so much that I want you to listen to the wisdom and instruction from me as I want you to always have a heart that's open for wisdom and instruction, that you're always learning. You know, they say that old dogs can't learn new tricks. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's when we become old and crotchety and messed up. And, and I, I don't know if I said it all this way to them. I don't know how they would repeat it. Maybe they didn't hear anything. Maybe they were thinking about video games. But I said, I want you to hear this passage. I want you to hear from a dad in the, in, the, in the Bible talking to his son. And this is what he says. He says, the fear of the Lord or the awe of the Lord or the worship of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, of knowing things. But fools, and when you talk to kids nowadays, even adults, like nobody uses the word fool. I said, I know that I usually give you guys, we, we correct you if you say the word stupid or idiot. But it's a, it's a real word. It's not a nice word. But that's what this word means. Fool means stupid or idiot. I know we usually give you a timeout for that. In fact, I said it in the first service. And a lot of the parents were laughing because they're like, dude, that, we do give timeouts for that. I want to give you a timeout right now. But I said, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or another way to say that, guys, is 
but idiots despise wisdom and instruction. And I go, I love you guys so much that I don't want you to ever not listen to people. After they share, you may say it's not wise, but you need to have eyes open and ears open and understand we never stop learning. The rest of our lives, we are here to learn and grow and you're never gonna have it all wired. And even when you know it, you'll sometimes drift off and you need to be reminded. And that's what this dad is doing. This dad is trying to share because he loves his kids. So we're going to go through this. We're going to go through Proverbs and even the part after chapter 9 where it's just the list of all the different Proverbs. And then we're going to look at how it finishes up in in Proverbs 31 where it's um, a mom who actually gives wisdom to her son about choosing a wife. And we're going to talk about relationships and, and marriage and things like that. So... Let's look again at Proverbs 1, 7. And we're going to start there. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear is, is, doesn't mean to be afraid and go run and hide. It means when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they said, he teaches how to pray. We don't know how to pray. And he said to start this way. Again, this is the starting point. So this is verse 7, chapter 1. So, so Solomon says, okay, I love you. I care about you. Listen and let's start here. And this is the starting point. The beginning, like the Lord's prayer, or like the disciples' prayer, is our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Holy is your name. To fear the Lord means that you know that he's holy, set apart, that like there's that sense of bowing before him. Not because you think you're going to be struck down, but because you're in the presence of perfection. And when you know that God is more perfect than you, that's the best step towards Growing. That's the best step towards wisdom because you started already humbling yourself underneath it. And the opposite of that would be putting yourself above God or making yourself into God and making, going off what you know and thinking you have it all together. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then we move on in Proverbs and his dad is just begging. He's begging his kids to listen. He's like, if you will just... And he, it gets kind of old a little bit when you're reading Proverbs. You're like, okay, I get it. You want me to listen. You want me to listen. But that's what, that's what God's heart is. Jeremy and I were just talking about worship. And uh, we were talking about it. And, and he said, I just, when I'm, when I'm leading, I just so much want people to, to, to be set free. Like, I know in their hearts they want to let go and, and sing to God, or at least if they don't want to sing, they want to give Him praise, or they want to be closer with Him. And I just want us to do everything so well that we can free them up to do that. And then he said, well, I guess, I guess that's not for me. It must come from God, because that is God's heart. He wants to set us free. And this dad has that same, that same element. He just wants the best for his kids, the same as the Father wants for you. And that's why you see this dad talking in Proverbs and he just keeps going, oh, just listen to me, just listen to me. Or Jesus when he said, oh, I so badly, like like a mother chick wanted to pull you guys underneath my wings. I wish you would come to me. And so this dad is repeating that. And then he gets to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and he says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him And he will make your paths straight. And it's it's much like me on the driveway. He's he's talking to his his kids, saying, Trust, put all your weight into who God is and what he says. 
and listen for him. Like, be humble enough that you know you don't have a clue what you're doing and that you need him. In, in AA, when you wake up in the morning, like, many of them will come here or another place somewhere because they need to be with others because they say this. My friends say this. They say, there's no way I'm going to make it through this day without taking a drink or without taking drugs. Like, it's a battle for me every day because I so badly want to just go on my own and, and start moving with my own wisdom and understanding. But every time I've done that in the past, I've just wrecked the car, sometimes literally. And so I want to every day start on my knees and I want to realize who I am. They humble themselves before God and even before others. They have this way of interacting with each other. It's just so, they lift the other person above themselves. I don't want to lift it too high and, and say they glow and walk on, on water because I, I don't think they do. Um, but there's beauty to that. And this dad is talking to his son here in chapter three and he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, which means wake up every day and put all your weight. That's what the word trust means. That's why it says trust and then says and lean. Like, don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord or lean on him rather than leaning on yourself. That word lean, if you look in Ezekiel and all through, they'll use that exact same word, that trust word. And that trust word is the same as, they're not exactly the same, but they mean the same thing. It means to just put all of your weight into. Like, trust means to, like, lay down upon. Like, you just completely fall down onto it. Like, all of your weight down on the ground. So if you're into yoga, you know what I'm talking about, where you just get down, you oh, or you get on your back and it's like, you just completely let go. And so that song that Jaren Hoku chose right before um, we uh, broke into groups, it's, it's that idea of just laying all the way down, that humility. And the best way I can describe this is, is an experience I went through because I thought I knew what it meant to trust or to lean until I went through this, until your life is on the line. Um, so I was uh, in Brazil. And we were on a plane, and, and we were flying from one area of Brazil to another when I was with a team of people. But one of our friends that we had met, uh, she was Brazilian, and she was a flight attendant, and we were on her plane. So when you work for them, you get, you know, all kinds of stuff. You get extra drinks, extra nuts. They get permission. I think if she wanted to fly the plane, she could have. Because this was before everything got all crazy and, you know, security, and you can't have a bottle of water because it might have... It's gotten ridiculous. But back then, it wasn't. And so she said, hey... Do you want to go sit in the front with the pilots? Oh, yes, I do. And so she, like, set it all up. She just went and knocked on the door. Yeah, hello. I mean, it's just like walking to an apartment. Hey, yeah, you want to come on in? Sure. And so I come, and they have a, a jump seat and another jump seat. And then there was another seat open, which is a little scary when you're on the plane. You're like, who didn't show up? And then they had the pilots and another guy. And so I got to just sit there and just <clears throat> hang out up in the front. They're flying. I'm up there get to see everything, see the, and it's really cloudy, you know, super, but we're above the clouds, and it's just a unique perspective when there's nothing in front of you. It's much different than looking out the side window when you can just see, it's like, well, it's like the flying over California, only better, because you're really flying over California or Brazil, (laughs) and so we're flying, and I see it all, and then, you know, we start to land, and and I know some Portuguese, and so, oh, you know, put your seats up, and the tables, and whatever, and we're going to land, and then you hear the, but here's the problem. 
I'm in the front. I can see what the pilots can see. You know when you're in the back and you look out the window and you're like, wow, it's really cloudy out. Well, when you're in the front, you realize they can't see anything. And I just started sweating. I'm like 20-something years. I'm like, are we really doing this right now? Like, I think we should be circling until this all clears up. Like, you can't see. And we're still descending, and, and I'm starting to grip. And I didn't want, you know, there's this girl, and she's really cute. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, I got to look all cool. But I'm freaking out because all of my understanding, leaning on my understanding, says this is stupid. We can't see the ground. We are in this several-ton plane, and we are landing at 700 miles per hour plus, And I'm pretty sure we're getting close. And everything tells me this isn't going to go well. Like, I know what it's like to get in a car crash going like 10. That wasn't good. This cannot be good. Like, this is bad. And everything within me was wrestling, and I was just, I was freaking out. And, of course, the girl had no clue I was, but I was totally freaking out. And I'm staring ahead. And these guys are just calm. They're, they're just looking at the instruments. And, and I, I just see blinking lights and dials moving. It's not like they have some night vision. They're just trusting and putting all of their weight into the instruments. They're trusting the signals that are coming from the ground to guide them in the midst of this storm. Because it wasn't just, I mean, there's water hitting the window. And you could see the lightning off to the side. And I'm like, this is like those movies. This is the movie where it all ends. And yet they're calm because they knew what to trust in. They put their confidence in the right place and they put everything into it. There's a big difference from going, well, I I trust. We kind of take our trust and scatter it around. But at this moment, they were putting their very lives, trusting that their instruments were giving them the information that they needed. And I was putting my trust into them completely. I was powerless you know, like those movies where the pilot, like, doesn't make it and then you land the plane? You know those movies? Like, that's so not going to happen. Like, I saw that that was like a foreign language, but they knew it. They had studied it. They knew it. And they, they would land the plane safely. And that taught me more about this passage than I'd ever known before. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit or in all your ways, trust him and he will make your paths straight. I mean, in this situation, there's no such thing as half trust. There's no such thing as, yeah, I think it could work out. And in your life, what this dad is is calling his children to and what God is calling us to is to completely trust. There is no half way of doing this. I want to look at this passage right here and and kind of talk about what we mean by not halfway holding on. Proverbs 4.13. Take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. She, the way that uh, Solomon describes wisdom, he he says that wisdom is a woman, which is appropriate. Uh, I'm married, and when I really need to make a good decision, um, I say, what do you think about this? And so, guard her, that is referring to wisdom, instruction. And Charles Spurgeon, who is a pastor that um, has been very influential, lived in the 1800s. This is, he, he, when he was preaching on this, used a passage from the the King James Version. He's English. I think it's kind of like, you have to, if you're English. So he chose this. And the way it's translated in that version is probably more appropriate. He says, 
in, in King James, it says, hold fast to wisdom. Hold fast to instruction. Hold fast. I'm like, usually when you don't know something in the Bible, you just skip over it. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Hold fast. Hold fast means exactly what you think it means. Like, hold on to. And fast just means intensely. So, he's saying, look, you've got to, like, want it bad. Like, not just, oh, yeah, listen to some instruction. No, like, you need to go after it. You need to seek it out. Not wait for it to come to you. My son was in a, a surf contest and... And um, I said, how do you think you did? He goes, I didn't catch enough waves. No waves came to me. And I was like, yeah, that's not the way it works. I said, you see the guys that are outside of you? You know, you're out in the water. He goes, yeah. I said, those guys are out. Yeah. That, what you're saying is, is you guys take the waves. And if you don't, then I'll get it. You need to go get the waves. You need to go seek them out. Like, they're not just going to come to you. And you can see this look in his face like, really? Like, it just never occurred to him. Like, you've got to go grab it. Um, to hold fast uh, my kids, this, I guess this is like dad sermon today. I didn't really plan on it being all of these dad analogies, but it's a dad in Proverbs, so here we go. And so one of my other sons, he, uh, he was playing flag football, and I was coaching the team. And so I was telling the kids, like, they have these little flags around your waist, and you run, and when you're running, of course, the flags flap like this, right? And when you pull the flag, then the whole belt comes down, and then they're down right there. So instead of our kids running into each other and tackling each other, us... Safety parents, you know, like, here, we're going to play flag football. So they have the flags, and we coach them. We say, look, you don't just try to grab a flag. Like, you just try to grab the hips and the whole thing and take it down. And you grab both flags because they're going to be flapping. You might get one. You might get another. You might get some pants. You might get some shirt, but you're going to slow them down. Now, you're not supposed to tackle them. You're not supposed to pull their shirt to their pants, but don't just try to grab this flag flapping in the air. I mean, it's just too hard to do. And when you grab, don't let go. And we had to tell all the kids, wear underwear. Because all the other coaches are teaching their kids this exact same thing. Because we're telling them, hold fast. Hold tight. Do you do that with God's instruction? Do you wake up in the morning and say, look, I'm coming to God's word because I know that I've reached the end of myself and I am going to search it out. Or you're like, well, I mean, God, I'm waiting for God to come to me. I'm waiting for the wisdom to come. When you're interacting with people, do you know that God moves through other people? I mean, the Bible itself was written by people. You know that, right? They were inspired by God, and so they were moved, but it's people. God moves through people. When I leave you today, every Sunday morning, Brian and I were talking about this this morning, as ministers, when you leave, we're exhausted. Like, all I want to do is just go crawl into the fetal position and just watch football all day until my eyes hurt, because I just don't want to move. But... What we try to do is get out and be with people. And I'll try to go find my friends or, or as a family, we'll go down and go surf because you're inspired. You, you're breathed into by others. And when you wake up in the morning, are you going out seeking for God to meet you through other people? You know, we, I'm sharing a bunch of Brian's stories. Brian was telling me about when he goes down to San Diego to paint and, and he pulls up down there and he's, he's like waiting for people to come up because he just wants to be inspired by interacting with people. Like, are you waiting for things to come to you or are you going out? I mean, take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Instruction is going to come from the word of God. And the word sometimes comes through the Bible. And sometimes it comes through people. Sometimes it comes through situation. But it will come to those who hold fast, who are hungering for it, who are not waiting for it to come to them, but they're going out. And think of all the different things that we go out to, right? Like, for example, I mentioned football. 
Football is just a great way. I know a lot of you have no clue what I'm talking about, and that's fine. But for some of us, it's just a way to turn off. Some of my friends say, you know, I just like to go shop. I don't really want to buy anything. Don't believe that. I just want to go out and I just, just want to see things. I just, it's a way to just kind of turn off. But what if we go out hungry instead? And there's nothing wrong with watching football or going shopping or surfing or whatever it is. But what if we go out instead hungry saying, God, I'm always available. And I want to be around people. And I know I need times to rest to be away from people. But I do all of that because I know that I've reached my end. And I want to be out there. But I need you. And I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. I don't necessarily know how to do it. And sometimes I get caught up in my job. And it consumes me. And, and I confess that to you. And I, don't want, I want to seek your wisdom. But here's the thing about seeking instruction. Once you seek it. And it's given to you. What are you going to do with that? Because it's probably not going to be what you want to hear. As we go through some of these Proverbs and we talk about coming to find this life, it's going to be difficult when you hear the wisdom. I mean, Proverbs are, these Proverbs are not safe. These Proverbs are going to deal with your business. They're going to deal with your money. They're going to deal with dating and marriage. They're going to deal with taking risks. They're going to deal with raising children. It's going to deal with um, when to rest and when you're being lazy. And it may mean you have to change. I shared this earlier. I, we're, we may touch on this in Proverbs. But you're going to hit this spot in Proverbs when you're reading where it says that if someone ever asks you to co-sign on a loan, you know how you always wonder, well, is the Bible ever going to be practical? Does it get more practical than that? Proverbs is practical stuff. If anyone ever asks you to co-sign on a loan, don't do it. And if you did, and some of you right now are going, uh-oh, then you need to go to that person right now and beg and plead to get out of it. It says that. Beg and plead to get out of it. Like a bird trying to get away from the hunters. I wish that my dad had shared that with me. Because when I found that, it was after I'd already co-signed for a friend. She's getting this car, family member. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Now I know why. I know why this dad's going, don't do it, beg. Because you know what? I bought me a car. But I don't get to drive it. It's not even mine. Because that's the kind of practical wisdom that's here. And it's not the kind of stuff you want to hear. Because the last thing I would have wanted to have to say to that person was, you know what? I can't. But, I, but you, you're not going to help me? You don't love me? Or whatever would come with it? Or whatever I would feel that they didn't say that I thought they were thinking? Because you... It sounds like a good thing, of course. I'm not going to co-sign. Good, I'm just going to do it until it's in your face. Until it's someone you care about. And you're like, oh, but they don't have a car and I should help them. I don't want them to have to go through that painful thing of having to like walk or take the bus. I mean, I just want to make it easy for them. But you're not really helping them, which is also what Proverbs says. You're actually cheating them. So it's not just about you and you having to buy a car you'll never be able to drive. It's about, it's not good for them either. And it wasn't. Because this person has gone through multiple financial disasters and you only learn that by failing. And so I, I'm not going to go on and on about co-signing. I want us to understand that Proverbs and the word of God and this instruction that you're hungering, once it's given to you, then you have to actually follow through with it. And that might be the scariest part of all. Because you want to lean on your own understanding. You're like, but I see things this way. I mean, this is the way the storm looks. And really, I, I should be landing right now? That doesn't make sense. Like, shouldn't we wait? I mean, this doesn't, shouldn't I turn right or shouldn't I turn left? And when you really trust and put all of your weight into God, then you will be able, like this dad, to talk to those that come after you 
and say, trust me on this one. Trust me. Put all of your weight into God and his word. Seek his instruction. Hunger for it. Like the deer pants for water. You need to, your soul needs to pant for him. Because that's the only thing that's going to refresh you. All this other stuff that you think going on your own understanding, you're just going to get in a car wreck. You're just going to wreck it. You're just going to be a, pieces on the ground. So I want to bring us back and close with this. Um, what we need to do in this, because it sounds really easy to do, is that we need to become apprentices. That's what a disciple is. You know, we throw on this word disciple. Disciple is a student. An apprentice is someone that is learning something from someone else that they can never learn in school. So we talk about understanding God's word. You're never going to understand it from some guy standing here and talking, or if you download the podcast from here at home, or download somebody else's podcast, or read some book. That's not really where you're going to learn it. You have to apprentice. If, if you want to become a carpenter, I just choose that because I love carpentry. If you want to choose that, you can't get a master's in carpentry. You can't get a PhD in carpentry. The only way to learn it is to go and be with someone that knows what they're doing and see how they do it. Um, you have to watch them and they, they teach you. And if at any time you're sitting there with your uh, apprentice and the apprentice comes up and says, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. The master's like, you didn't really just do that, did you? Because the master, when you're a carpenter and you're doing this, like I tried to get people to let me apprentice underneath them, they didn't have the time for it. I could never apprentice because they were too busy. And so if a carpenter is going to take on an apprentice, they're basically sacrificing for this person. And if that person is not going to be teachable and moldable, what is the point? And the way that you're going to learn to follow the Lord and to hear his word and to take that instruction is to watch other men and women and to be close enough in their life that you can see how they do it. See how they talk to their wives. See how they apologize when they don't talk to their wives correctly. See how they wake up in the morning. See how they interact with their kids. See when they, they walk with the word of God. See how they um, co-sign or don't co-sign or whatever it is that they're doing. You're walking with them and apprenticing. And that's the way that we're truly going to grow in Christ is together. This isn't something you can just do from distance learning. That's God's intention. That's one of the reasons why the tables keep moving up closer and closer. And I know you guys are going to still keep huddling closer to these top two rows until some of you are on the floor maybe. <laughs> because it's like, ah, I want to be by myself. But God intended us for us to do this together. And as we're going through Proverbs together, you can't do this distance learning. You've got to be in it and you've got to be wrestling with it with other people. Because that's God's intention. He wants you to hold fast. And part of that is being with others. So if you could, if you could join me with standing. We are going to um, invite the worship team up. They are going to lead us in songs that lead us in prayer. And um, they don't love it when I do this, but they're cool with it. I don't see Jerry yet, so he might not hear it yet. But um, I'd love them to do the song that they did right before um, the last song they did. Because I think that song is so appropriate for what we've just talked about and what, what this dad in Proverbs is trying to share. So let me pray for us. Father, we very badly want to, uh, to hear from you. Teach us, Lord, how to um, paddle to you, to where your wisdom is. Lord, we would love it to come right to us, and I know sometimes you do that. But um, teach us 
how to hold fast, how to hold on tight, like holding for life. We don't want to trust in our own understanding. We want to lean on you. But Lord, we, we don't necessarily know how to do it. So please bring to our minds people that you know are doing that and, and give us the courage to approach them, to learn from them and to walk with them. And Lord, grow us in humility. Maybe, maybe we're at a point right now where there's an area in our life where we just keep saying, I know, I know, I know, I got that. And you're saying, in, we're not ready. Or we want to be ready. We trust. Help our untrust. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.